Thursday, 13th, uh, January 13th, 2022. Just baseball show. We're talking top 20 starting pitchers. Jack McMullen with Peter Apple, joined immediately by Colby Olson, who just wrote the article for JustBaseball.com. I'm coming to you live from my bed at a Fairfield Inn in Ypsilanti, Michigan. You're in your bed right now? Yeah, I'm sitting crisscross applesauce. I've got the laptop propped up on a on a pillow. Uh, that I use to sleep and that a decorative pillow on, you know, it's like I platformed the laptop. So I give that presentation, but I've got a nice backdrop. Uh, good. That's not floral print. What is it? Tree branch print? Like That's... Japanese influenced, maybe? Yeah, maybe. I know I there, there's a massive print. Japanese art influence in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Clearly. So where, where does the Fairfield hotel chain rank? Like, is that a 35-grade hotel chain? 40-grade? Fairfield? No, fair, you're underrating Fairfield. I think uh, 50 with, like, a 60 future value. Wow. That's an all-star. Actually, okay, fine. 45 yeah. with a 50 future value. <laughs> and because you have this problem, too. You call a bunch of fours, threes, and you call threes, twos when we're talking about starting pitchers. So you, I can't. You're just I an overvaluer. Wait. I can't wait to, like, call, like, a top 10 pitcher in baseball at two. <laughs> you guys are going to be thrown. What's higher than a one? A zero? Just an ace. Just an ace? Okay. An ace. Colby, how are you, man? I see your doggy in the background. That's great. Yeah, my doggy's chilling back here, man. I, it's it, There's a lock that this dog will bark at some point during this podcast. We'll just It'll be a surprise. Yeah, but what's the dog's name? Uh, my dog is named Pesky after Johnny Pesky, um, <laughs> the Pesky Pole at Fenway Park. You know, because you can't – everybody names their dog Fenway. So I didn't yeah. want to name my dog Fenway. I had to be somewhat different. So I named him Pesky. Yeah, you work against the grain. Pesky, what breed of dog is Pesky? He is a Wheaton Terrier. He's 10 years old now. He's getting to be a, an older man. Um, but he's, yeah. he's a great dog. Amazing dog. Do you think Pesky is probably the second most common used name after Fenway? That's kind of like, like, oh, I'm not going vanilla ice cream. I'm just going to go with chocolate. How about Poppy? I think, I think Yaki. Until recently, was probably popular. Yeah, Yaki? dogs get canceled now if their name is Yaki. Yeah, <laughs> what does that even mean? What is Yaki? Are you way? serious? You're Yaki? a true Yankee person. Yaki way. You've never heard of Yaki way. Is As that a, a road at Fenway? It is Yaki. That's wow. like the. It, it's part of the stadium, Pete. And there's like food out there. It's where all the merchandise is. It's everybody walks in that way. It's like the main. I mean, I've been to Being Fenway a couple city. times. I didn't know it was called Yaki Way. Is that just common knowledge that everyone should know? It is. Thomas Yaki. He was the president of the Boston Red Sox in the 30s. I mean, you looked that up. You looked well, that up. Yes. Sure. Yes. But I know Yaki Way. Yaki Way was, that well, they, was the name of like the They recently outside. had to rename it to, uh, oh, I can't remember. Did they they, they had to rename Williams the street way? to something else because was it Yaki. Was Ted Williams Way? No, it's, they, they, brought it back to what it was like presidential street or not presidential something like that 
No, it's not a name anymore because I don't want whoever it's named after to get canceled. Yeah, well, Yaki got canceled. Yeah. Uh, do we want to talk top 20 starting pitchers? From an analytical perspective with Colby Olson. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> quick precursor before we get into individuals. Colby, how malleable is this list? Because we talk about how often starting pitching rankings are changing. When we get a month into the 2022 season, can this list look different? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it pitchers change so much because guys get hurt. There's a lot of injuries with pitching. There's a lot of velo changes. Guys aren't using pitches. Pitchers are, pitches aren't working for some guys. And even beyond that, right, this is just 20 names. But there were guys all the way up to the 35, 35, 40 ranking that could fit in the top 20. Like, there are a lot of good pitchers in this league. And just because a guy's left off of the top 20 does not mean that he could possibly get there, you know, two months into next season. So I think we should kind of go by tiers of three, almost, you know, go 20, 19, 18, kind of talk about them in a little bit of a triplet. I kind of like that. Jack, you're looking at me. Colby, you're looking at me. I like it. I like it. I, I like that a lot, Pete, because I kind of, I mean, the list is tiered in a way. Like you could run through probably six different tiers in this in this ranking. And because we're going to start a new podcast called Not Gambling Advice, where we're going to be talking about fantasy baseball. And I remember when we were talking about the top 20, it's almost better if you do it within tiers of pitchers. Like these guys are tier one. These guys are tier two. I'm not exactly sure um, how, if, if, you know, they're not exactly tiers of three, but I think it kind of makes sense. So number 20 is Max Freed. Number 19 is Shohei Otani. And number 18 is Blake Snell of the San Diego Padres. So three really good pitchers. Who's 21 to 25? Like who are a couple of guys that just got left off the list? So there's Lance Lynn. There's Aaron Nola. There's you Darvish. There's McCullers. There's, I mean, the list goes on and on and on, but there's, the, those four were really guys that I like pondered heavily. Okay. So let's go those four rapid fire Lance Lynn. Why'd you leave him off? Just lack of pitch repertoire. Yeah. Yeah. Just a guy that I was not super like his, his year last year was insane. Um, ERA in the twos, X ERA in the twos, like all the underlying stats are great. I am just not confident enough in his repertoire, just all fastballs. I feel like it's going to get figured out and I feel like it could have been a peak season for him. And his ability to age, too. It makes me a little nervous. McCullers, especially, like, we saw how dirty he can be, and we yeah. know how dirty he can be in the regular season. He just walks everybody and their brother. Yep. And, Jack, we should also preface this episode saying that Clayton Kershaw is left off this list because I'm just worried about his arm right now. Yeah. Carlos yeah. Rodon is also left off this list because I am also worried about his arm. But he is Fair. a top-20 pitcher when healthy. Um, and Justin Verlander is off as well, just because he hasn't pitched in two years and we don't know what yeah. he's going to be. But all guys. Like, are I do feel like Justin Verlander is going to be like the top five pitcher next year, just out of nowhere, because it's Justin Verlander. He's going to come back so angry. Right. You say out of nowhere. It's not out of nowhere. Yeah, I know it's not out of nowhere. But I'm saying out of nowhere in the sense that he hasn't pitched in two years, right. that he might be left off a lot of top 20 lists. But then we're going to see Justin Verlander at age 39 turn into Cy Young type season. Right, right. The two others that you just named, one of them was you, Darvish. Peter just said Snell was at 18, Darvish off the list. I think a lot of Padres people would say that Darvish is a better pitcher than Snell. No Why way. do you – you think so? 
I'm way Snell over Darvish. I've said Snell over Darvish, and people got super mad at me earlier in the year, and I know Snell had his struggles, but I continue to ride Blake Snell. I think he deserves a spot in this top 20, and I would agree with Colby. I think Snell over Darvish for sure. I, I think 2022, uh, I, I'm not saying I would take Darvish over Snell, but I think the argument can be made that Darvish is the one and Snell is the two in San Diego. So why do you see it kind of rolling that way, Blake? Or, uh, yeah, Colby? yeah. I, I think that Darvish is throwing a pitch that he shouldn't be throwing, and it's his cutter. He throws his cutter 40% of the time, and, and it gets hit. And yet he has a forcing fastball that he only throws 20% of the time that is has the highest whiff rate among starters with their forcing fastball. Alec Manoa is number two on that list. Do you, and just a quick follow-up. Do you think that that four seam gets more whiffs because he throws the cutter so much? That is definitely a piece of the puzzle, but at the end of the day, why are you throwing a pitch that doesn't perform well so much? Like facts to me, that doesn't make sense. Um, And it's not to say that he should just not throw the cutter at all. I'm just saying like maybe decrease it, the usage a little bit, Um, but back to Snell right? He's a guy that did the opposite. He stopped throwing his curveball and went to a slider and stopped throwing a changeup as well. Just went fastball slider, basically turned into a two pitch pitcher, which is like, you know, you're, you're kind of, I, I see Jack over there, his face is like, oh, I don't know, but he dominated. He dominated. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, there, there are a couple of guys in this top 20 that are two pitch pitchers and it works now. And traditionally you think, oh, two pitch pitcher, like, hitters are going to figure it out but now the way that hitters are swinging where they're just like swinging for 500 feet three times and if they swing and miss three times and they're out like i i'm okay with being a two-pitch pitcher uh and, somebody and else yeah you go snell wasn't just a two-pitch pitcher but he did cut down on the curveball usage heavily so it was like fastball slider curveball so because he couldn't throw the yeah i was watching he couldn't throw the curveball for a strike nobody was swinging i was this big loopy thing that would just end up at the bottom of the zone and it wasn't producing that swing and miss. If you could throw it for a strike, continue to keep hitters off balance. Like that's what Blake Snell is. That's what the one eight nine ERA back in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that's the Cy Young year. So I just, I'm excited to see Blake Snell return. I think he could be good. Also there's, there's another two guys. So we talked about Blake Snell versus you Darvish. What about Charlie Morton versus Max Freed? Cause Max Freed is number 20, but Charlie Morton is not on this list. Yeah, I mean, Charlie Morton, another guy. He's coming off of a leg injury, lower body injury. He's 38 now. Um, that was a guy that just missed as well. He's in that top 30, obviously. Um, but I just felt that Freed um, kind of dominated. I mean, he he's a guy. I, I like guys that get ground balls and they get whiffs. And Freed does both with a curveball that is big and loopy, but does get whiffs. And do people do swing at it out of the zone. And that's something I'm impressed by. To tie, oh, you go, Peter. No, I was just going to say at number 19, Shohei Otani has the dirtiest splitter known to man. But the fastball, although it's 100, it's not ideal, according to you. Well, not according to you. No, it gets hit. I mean, I wrote about this back in, I think, June it was, right about when the site launched. And I said, why is Otani throwing his splitter only you know below 20% of the time? Because it's the best pitch in baseball. It performs the best. I think it it has what a 116 woba against last year. I mean, nobody could touch the thing. No one was coming close. Um, regardless of whether Otani's fastball performs or not, he's gonna be a guy that is gonna have an ERA in the low threes or even better. Um, the thing with him is, is he gonna get the usage? Is he gonna is he gonna throw 160 to 180 innings um, while you know being at the plate for 650 plate appearances? And that's the question. I think this year he can 
go to 160 innings. Um, last year was his first real season of throwing, you know, 25 starts. So amazing start to his pitching career. One last thing on this tier uh, to wrap Darvish back in to Otani. Darvish is throwing his cutter more than he should. When you came on about midway through the year, you said, hey, this guy's a baseball unicorn. Obviously, he should be lauded the way that we are doing it, but he shouldn't be throwing his cutter this often. Uh, I do just want to show you some photos because Shohei Otani just did a shoot with GQ earlier uh, this week. It released today. Uh, he's super handsome. He's super Dude, good. What is that at- jacket? For all those watching on YouTube, Jack's going through a slideshow yeah. of uh, GQ the, pictures. The GQ photo he's shoot. so cute. That one he's is so, awesome. I need that so one. cute. I need Look a shirt this. of that one. The, you see that old guy. school dumbbell sitting there? Like, I mean, <laughs> what is this he doing? Guy, I don't know. I kind of love this weird Letterman jacket that he's got going on. I think that's felt. And then uh, I don't know. You see good, good nipplage from Shohei Otani. He, he right looks like there. Bo Jackson at Auburn. A little bit. I think that's what they were going for. I also think they were going for like the retro Ruth look because he, nobody's done it since Ruth and he's doing something that Ruth never did. We talked about that. Ruth pitched and then hit. He didn't do both at the same time. But with Shohei, if he cuts back on the cutter, can he up the splitter usage to become elite? Yeah, absolutely. And, and Kevin Gosman did it this year and obviously showed that you can do that and dominate. And Kevin Gosman is a two-pitch guy. Shohei Otani is a four-pitch guy. So, yeah. Two guys. Before we move on to the next year, I know we keep saying before we move on, but Kevin Gosman, Robbie Ray, both not on this list. Robbie Ray coming off a Cy Young award. Kevin Gosman, not quite a Cy Young, but a Cy Young caliber type season. Those two guys, you're not expecting them to be in the top 20 moving forward. Gosman, I'm worried about moving to the AL East. Dominant, dominant division. Um, Robbie Ray is... He just won a Cy Young, but the peripheral stats for him are worrisome. I, I think he can be a top 30 pitcher next year, and maybe he'll prove me wrong and put up top 20 numbers. I'm just not going to bet on it. I'm not going to be the guy that bet on it. I think I'm more pro Robbie Ray than some people because I think he learned something over there in Toronto with Pete Weber, the pitching coach, because Pete Weber is one of the best pitching coaches in baseball. And I think he's going to take some of that over to Seattle. And I'm not expecting him to win a Cy Young award, but I think we could expect, like, would you be surprised, Colby, if we saw three, five ERA with 220 strikeouts in 190 innings? I mean, that's, that's kind of an elite pitcher. That's not, that's still a drop off from what he was, but that's still a phenomenal pitcher. Yeah, no, he, he's right there. He's right outside of the top 20. And really the thing that scares me away from him is the hard hit rate. Um, guys kind of mash him when he's not getting whiffs, which, you know, it can be all right. Guys, guys do it. Shane McClanahan's another guy that succeeds that way. So, But he's also moving away from the AL East, which is a good thing, but it's not like the AL West is that much easier. So number 17 is Nathan Eovaldi of the Boston Red Sox. Number 16, Lucas Giolito of the Chicago White Sox. And then we have Sandy Alcantara of the Miami Marlins. First, I love where Sandy is. I think Sandy is one of the most underrated pitchers in baseball. I think he's freaking elite. But then number 16, Giolito. Dude, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'm putting him in my top 20. I got to see more from Lucas Giolito. That's, that's a fair take, Pete. This was a guy that personally I went back and forth on a lot. Um, I had to do a lot of digging because Giolito was a guy that struggled with command early in the season. And he, he's a command pitcher. Changeup is, is his best pitch. And if you're hanging changeups over the heart of the plate, you're going to get beat. 
Um, and in the second half, that was not the case. He was finally dotting the corners, which is when he's at his best, he's a guy that can produce an ERA, you know, two, five to three. Um, and I'm just betting on that. I'm betting on this man this year. Um, you know, maybe a little different for me, but the guy has produced an ERA between three, four and three, five, the last three seasons. So premier consistency. Can we acknowledge the weird volume spike that just happened with you? I mean, it was like all of a sudden you got super overmodulated. It felt like one of those weird uh, 3 a.m. memes on, on Twitter or Instagram where you just hear it blaring through your speakers at one point. So I've got no idea what happened, but but it just happened to you. Is it good now? Very, Yeah, it's You're great good. now. And he's, he's just very excited about Lucas Giolito. No, I agree. I think Lucas Giolito has, you know, top 15 potential. Um there's just, I guess I am just in the boat where I've just been watching so many White Sox games and I see him just hanging change-ups over and over and over again that I'm just, he's kind of in the Aaron Nola boat for me. It's just when you miss middle that many times, your stuff can't even get guys out. Um, when some guys, if they miss middle, they can still miss bats. And it just felt like Lucas Gilito isn't one of those pitchers. Fair take. I think the guy that we should be talking about is Evaldi in this tier? Um, because I think a lot Quick of people pivot. don't even realize, do not even realize how good he was last year. Um, he was second in F4 with 6.2 F4 um, and dominated. I think he got the Erod effect a little bit because the Red Sox defense was just so poor. Um, and I think his FIP was like 2.7. His ERA was 3.7. It's just that big big gap but Evaldi was great and I am expecting him to put up 200 innings with an ERA close to three so what Colby just did was um in the Miss USA pageants during the interview stage you're asked one question you answer that for about five seconds and that is I totally hear where you're coming from and then you entirely pivot to like talking about <laughs> the Red thing Sox. that you prepped your note cards for. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh good job moving to the Red Sox here. Uh Yavaldi is fun. And when Yavaldi got traded over to the Red Sox at the deadline in 2018, I don't think Boston knew what they were getting with Yavaldi. But if you watched him in New York, when you watched him develop that splitter because he was working with Tanaka at the peak of his powers, uh, you knew that there was something there. And you knew even watching him in Miami, like, okay, this is this is 100. It's a high effort 100, but it's 100 here. Yavaldi has aged a lot better than I was thinking he was going to age. How have you seen him and where do you see him going as he just ticks up in age? I'm with you, Jack. This is a guy, obviously I watch a lot of Red Sox games, so I watch a lot of Yavaldi starts. And this is a guy that in the seventh, eighth inning of ball games is still throwing 100 and, and he's a battler. He's a battler. I mean, what we saw in the 2018 World Series with him coming into that extra innings and throwing six shutout innings and just off of what, two or three days rest. The guy's a competitor. Um, and so, yeah, I, I see him not bouncing back because he pitched fantastically. I see his ERA bouncing back in uh, 2022. And I think the Red Sox, one thing that they're going to put an emphasis on going into next season is improving their defense, um, which was poor last season. And I think Haim realized that that may have been one of the reasons why they didn't, you know, finish strong. I mean, obviously they made it to the ALCS, but they couldn't move on because of, you know, there were some costly errors in that playoff. So brought Jackie Bradley, and I think they're going to make some other defensive changes that will help this pitching staff. 
think about it, Evaldi really does have a golden arm. The fact that he could throw this hard, this late in his career, consistently over and over again, you're just talking about moving into the seventh and eighth inning, still throwing 100 miles an hour. And I feel like Evaldi kind of got confirmed as one of the best pitchers in baseball, really in the playoffs, because he took that to another level against the best lineups in baseball and pretty much dominated. So I like Evaldi on this list. I like it. I'm in there. Jack, Thanks, that, that was a good question. <laughs> it was a good question. I just like it. I, mean, I well, like it. All right, let's talk. Let's talk Sandy Alcantara then. Let's talk Sandy Alcantara. The fact that he throws 100 miles an hour, and I think he's perfectly rated at 15, maybe even a little bit higher, and because I think he could be a top 10 pitcher by the end of next year. Agreed with you there. Um, yeah, Sandy's awesome. I don't think there's too much to say about Sandy because he's just been super consistent. The guy's always having an ERA over the past two years, 3.16 ERA. And every single year he's been pitching in baseball since 2017, 16 or 17. It's been a while now. Um, he's increased his strikeout rate and decreased his walk rate. So that's, it's just kind of simple. Like the guy just consistently keeps improving and there's really no reason to believe he won't keep improving into next season. And he's a ground ball guy. I, I think there's going to be some market bias with Sandy because if, if the Marlins aren't contending again, people are going to refrain from looking at him as a top 10 pitcher because he's not throwing meaningful starts, but meaningful start or not, I think you should be watching Sandy Alcantara because he's always going to be pitching against a team that is likely better than his own. Uh, and he's going to be dicing them up because he's a big body that controls his body. Well, what I love about Sandy is how mechanically consistent he is using that big of a frame and that long of like, he gets down on the mound so well, and it looks identical every time. So I don't know the exact tunneling numbers with him, but I'm sure they're good. And everything's also really hard coming out of his hands. Like he is a big athletic guy that uses his frame really, really well. So piggybacking off Pete, like, do you think, that he will overcome this market, overcome maybe the Marlins shortcomings and be considered by the common fan as somebody that's must watch television by the end of this year. Probably not just judging by ESPN's top 20 or 25 pitcher list. They just put out, which was really, really brutal. You guys should run through that at some point. Um, But like Adam Wainwright's on there. Like, yeah. Okay. Adam Wainwright is, he had an amazing year, but is he a top 20 pitcher? No way. Come on. Jeez. Jeez. Come on. Okay. How do you really feel, Colby? <laughs> I I agree. I don't think he's top 20. You think he's hey, top 20, Jimmy? You guys got to put the Excel sheets down and go watch a game. <laughs> Shut up. I watch, I watch a Wade Wright. I, I, uh, I like No, he's not. A Listen, yeah, he's not. A, a starting pitcher throwing 88 miles an hour in 2022 is not a top 20 pitcher in baseball. I promise you that. Like Hyunjin Ryu, we were getting so much shit for leaving Hyunjin Ryu off. But, I mean, you saw it. Like, you saw how 2021 went. He was not a top 10 pitcher in baseball at any time in 2021. So, like, uh, Wainwright's better than Ryu. Uh, I will stand by that. And Wainwright, I think, is putting together a really solid Hall of Fame resume. But at the ripe age of 40 years old, he's not one of the top 20 pitchers in baseball. I'd rather have Wainwright than Ryu next year. I would too. Yeah. Yeah. Also, something about Sandy that um, I know Colby, you and I value, and I know Jack does too, just the durability factor, that he was one of only four pitchers this year to pitch over 200 innings, that he averaged, um, in your article, he averaged 6.23 innings per start. I need that. I need dudes who eat innings. Give me Sandy. Love Sandy. 100 miles an hour, seven innings every day. Give me that. 
That's pretty old school from you, Pete. Good for you. You're joining me. Love that. We got to mm. slap a toothpick in and say that boy yep. throws hard. <laughs> I'm sick of four to five inning starts. I like the guys who are six, seven, eight innings, and they're just battling. And to your point, Colby, he is a, just a battler. He is. And that's why Lance McCullers was left, left off this list. I mean, great pitcher, but he only throws five innings a start and only sees the lineup twice. There's value in seeing that lineup the third time and, and not putting a crappy reliever in. And how well do you do third time through? And that goes to show the confidence that the pitching coach and the manager has in you as a pitcher that he says, you know, maybe the numbers don't show, but this is our guy, that confidence level. That's what, that's what moves a guy from a two to an ACE and Sandy's an ACE, but his teammate is actually ranked above him. The next tier, Trevor Rogers of the Miami Marlins. Uh, Number 13 is our boy, Jack, Freddie Peralta inside the top 15 for the Milwaukee Brewers and then hard throwing Luis Castillo before we get into our boy, Freddie, cause I think you can make the argument that Freddie Peralta is the overall best pitcher in baseball. Um, but Trevor Rogers, yeah. After a rookie season is already in the top 15. What did you see from Trevor Rogers this year that made you think, wow, I don't even need to see any more yet. I have just a crazy statistic. So dating back to 2000, Trevor Rogers 2.55 FIP is the best ever by a rookie since 2000. And his 2.64 ERA is third best behind only Jose Fernandez and Walker Bueller. So you're, you're up against guys that are top 10 pitchers. I mean, Jose Fernandez before his death was maybe the best pitcher in baseball. Um, I think that's really all you need to go to. And, and, he has three great pitches. He has a fastball that is, you know, very deceptive, has uh, good spin numbers and a changeup that is actually could be designated as a, as a screwball because of how he grips it. Split grip comes through his fingers. Oh, just punched my mic. Um, <laughs> showing pitch grips. Yeah. Showing pitch grips. And, and then a really, you know, slurvy slider slurve. I don't know what to really call it, but, a perfect, you know, third pitch to tunnel with those two other pitches. It's a great pitch mix and playing in Miami pitchers ballpark and Jacob Stallings is now going to be there too, which I think is going to help him and Sandy a lot. That's a point. Jacob Stallings is one of the premier defensive catchers in baseball. He didn't allow a pass ball next year and you're moving from the likes of Jorge Alfaro and and company and Pedro Leon uh, is, is Pedro Leon is, is Sandy Leon. That's that's their backup catcher. Jack's just shrugged his shoulders. Yeah, I mean, I don't watch that. <laughs> I guess yeah, I, mean, I, I don't Sandy Leon, I think, because I saw him also on the mound. But but regardless, you're moving from Jacob Stallings to whatever the Marlins had at catcher, and that's just gonna be a huge jump, and not just Sandy and Trevor, but also Pablo Lopez, Eliezer Hernandez, Jesus Zardo. All these guys are just gonna get a bump up from just a way better defensive catcher. Uh, yeah, yep, indeed. Let's talk about the batting average against King of the World, Freddie Peralta. I mean, this guy, so he can't hit what you can't see. Yeah, how would you describe his pitch mix? Two or three? What do you mean, Jack? Sorry, there. So, you got a fastball, a slider, and a curveball, or like two iterations of a curveball, like a tighter one and a, and a loopier one? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good way to describe it because I think, I mean, he was a two pitch guy with reliever risk, and then he added 
he's also added a changeup too that's that's performed pretty well. Um, that he didn't throw too much last year, but I think this year he's gonna throw it more. Um, yeah, and so yeah, he, he went from being Peral- a two pitch guy. So being- Freddie Peralta was was the guy that went from, I mean, he was like Freddie Peralta is what Huascari Noah wants to be. How do you I develop that into take. that? I love that de- take. But how do you develop into it? I think it takes off-season training and, and getting time, you know, with a Rapsodo or a TrackMan or something and just tinkering with spin data and, and finding what works for you. Um, it's just tinkering with grips. And there's a ton of guys that have done it, and that's really what they talk about. I saw Freddie Peralta. I fell in love with Freddie Peralta after a bullpen outing from him. I think it was in the COVID shortened season or maybe it was even 2019. I can't really remember when I fell in love with Freddie Peralta, but what I do know is that I saw a fastball that looked unhittable. I saw a slider that looked unhittable. And I was like, if this guy can put it together in a rotation, he's going to be freaking elite. And then that fastball translated. You, like you said it yourself, opponents hit 156 off the fastball. When you are fastball first and still nobody can touch your fastball. Give me those guys. Give me those guys. But I just wish he pitched more innings because, like you said, he only averaged around 5.27. But he has the ability to go deeper in the games. Mm-hmm. I remember after uh, after Freddie's second start this year, I you know randomly shouted out Freddie Peralta uh, on project the plate. It was still project the plate at that time. I randomly shouted him out. I said, hey, shout out Freddie Peralta. Like, I just put two quality starts together. And Peter was like, dude. Like, I, I love this guy. And I was like, you know what, but dude, I, after watching him for the first two starts, I kind of love this guy, too. And then he just ran with it. I was thinking that he wasn't going to have this type of success that he had. I was thinking that he was just going to walk everybody. But the command ticked up to the yeah. point where, like, if he keeps going and if he doesn't walk five guys per nine, he's a Cy Young contender if he stays healthy. Absolutely. I, think. I love guys that have not pitched a ton of innings and they get their first chance of starting in the rotation. They dominate. And then the next season, I'm like, why can't they do it again? Why yeah, can't they do it again? Why and that's what um, I remember. I've been talking up this guy, uh, Will Bednar, Mississippi State. Um, I see the exact same thing. And that's why I fell in love with them. And when the Giants took him 14th overall, I was hyped because on previous episodes, we're talking about good organizations versus bad. When good organizations notice a guy that you're also on, you're like, you use that kind of as, as confirmation. And if you're not on a guy, but a big organization like Giants, Rays, Red Sox, Dodgers, they're on it. You're like, wait, what did I miss? So I was glad to see that Bednar because that fastball slider combo, if guys can't hit your fastball and then you have a second pitch that's also unhittable, two pitch guys like that can work. And then when you add a third, you become an ace. Colby just literally took a break to just pet his dog. Yeah, no, I, we hit the 30-minute mark, so it was halftime. <laughs> halftime. Uh, Luis Castillo. Monty barking. We're, we're <laughs> not even halfway through. Let's talk about Luis Castillo because there are times when Luis Castillo goes through five outings where he looks like he's not a top 50 pitcher in baseball. And then there are five outing stretches where he looks like he's a top five pitcher in baseball. Balancing those two, why is he at 12? So this was a guy, right, that from 2019 to 2020, he had a 3.35 ERA and was considered a top 10 pitcher going into last season. And then he started 2021 really, really slow. He went two and nine. He gave up 46 runs in 64 innings, was walking the house. 
And that I can attribute that to his fastball velocity being down towards 95 miles an hour when we're used to seeing Luis Castillo at 97, 98, 99, 100. And so in June, his velocity crept back up and then he dominated. The rest of the season was was the dominant self. We're, we're used to seeing it at 2.69 ERA and didn't surrender more than three runs over 20 starts. I think he only surrendered more than three runs like twice, two or three times over 20 starts. I mean, he was dominant over that stretch. So what I'm buying here is I'm buying 2019, I'm buying 2020, and then I'm buying the second half of 2021. And really, I see that beginning of 2021 is like, your velocity wasn't there. Something was going on. Maybe it was an arm injury, maybe, but something wasn't there. He, he wasn't warmed up. Whatever it was, I'm betting on the bigger sample size here. Luis Castillo is an ace pitcher. Cool. I'm willing to bet on that with you. I like that. I like that take. I'm in. All right. The next tier of pitchers, number 11 is Chris Sale of the Boston Red Sox. Number 10, Julio Arias of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And number nine, Brandon Woodruff of the Milwaukee Brewers. Chris Sale, Boston guy, number 11, could be higher if he's at peak sale, could be a hell of a lot lower if he doesn't regain that velocity. But you still like him in 93-94. Yeah, yeah, he was he was good at the end of last year. Um, pitched well at the end of the year, even though his velocity was not fully there. But, but as I've talked about before, Sale is a guy that even if he doesn't have his velocity, he's going to tinker with velocities range right so he's going to throw a fastball at 90 he's going to throw a fastball at 96 he's going to throw a slider at 80 he's going to throw a slider at 87 he's going to throw his change up different speeds too it's just like he it's like cc sabathia it's like kershaw these guys vary speeds when they get older and they succeed doing it and i'm i'm buying sale on that sales got one of the most unorthodox deliveries in baseball and and the way that he rode that to being a top three pitcher when he was in chicago and then when he was traded for, by the way, Yoan Moncada, Michael Kopech, who else was in that deal? Because it was massive. Like, that's the type of haul you should get for a top three pitcher in baseball. Um, but with Sale, like, yes, he varies speeds. He also throws from pretty much pesky pole. Like, you have to look over your shoulder to see that pitch coming in. So with that unorthodox delivery, do you feel like that ages well, especially now with the reconstructed UCL? Like, I don't know. You can't worry about that again. And the worry when he was in Chicago, like hearing it all the time, every time he started was this guy's delivery looks like his elbow is going to spontaneously combust in like the middle of the fourth inning on a Tuesday. It could happen at any time. It happened. Now he's back. So no holds barred. Let's get sale. You think he ages well? Yeah, I think so. I think we've seen guys come back from Tommy John and, and perform well. Um, the training methods we have and, and rehab methods we have today are just so advanced from what we had even 10 years ago. Um, the guys know how to take care of their bodies now and, and recover. And last year, I mean, we still saw him getting up to 97, 98 at times. He wasn't averaging that. But the fact that he can still do it, and if he has an entire winter to rehab and come back next season, you know, restored, I, I think... We could see maybe not the old sale exactly, but a, a version very close to it. And I think that is worthy of a top 10, top 11 pitcher in baseball. Julio Arias is your Cy Young winner in the National League for 2022, yet he's only at 10. I mean, 10 is still a pretty good ranking for him, but what's keeping him from, I don't know, the top five? I think 
you're talking end of 2022, that's the bet, right? The bet is that he is going to be a top five pitcher at the end of the year, but there's just so many good pitchers ahead of him. Like, there's no there's way I'm losing all credibility if I put Julio Urias ahead of Max Scherzer. Like, what are you doing, man? You, you feeling okay? Yeah. Um, but he does everything right. He gets whiffs. He has elite command. He gets ground balls. He limits hard contact. There's really nothing that he doesn't do right as a pitcher. And he's still very young. He's 25, 26 years old. And, and as we talked about before, Pete, um, he doesn't have that many innings under his belt, despite being That's in the big the point. for five years. So That's the point. Explain that more because this is actually last year was right. His only season above a hundred innings, even though it seems like this guy has had so much use. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's really just pitched out of the bullpen or pitched, you know, late in the season, pitched in the postseason. Um, but last season was the first season that they really gave him a full shot to come out every five days and dominate. Um, he's another guy that goes deep into games as well. Um, he pitched well on the big stage in the playoffs. Um, there's really no, like nothing bad to say about him. And his pitch mix is great. Fastball is great. I love guys that have good fastball. And he is has one of the best fastballs in baseball. So he, he, he can go deep into games because he doesn't walk people. Urias, you know, with an okay sample size was – the, this was the first year in his career that he had a sub two walks per nine. He was walking at 1.8 guys per nine. So if he gets to like one, five, one, eight, I think we're looking at co-aces here with, with Bueller, who I already think is an ace. And then Urias, who you could say is the best two in baseball right now. I think he can make that jump. And again, I'm not saying that a three is a two here. I'm saying that a two is a true two right now with Julio. And I think he can be a one if we're looking at it two months in and he's, you know, throwing again with a sub three ERA. I don't know if he's going to be the best two because there are some technically twos on this list, like number nine, would you rather have Julio Arias? Would you rather have Brandon Woodruff? Because Brandon Woodruff is the two to Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff doesn't walk anybody. I feel like that's the most underrated part of Brandon Woodruff is not only does he have, I'll call on you in a second. I'll call on you in a second, Jack. I know you raise your hand. He's got four pitches, Colby, and all of the pitches are good, and he can command all four pitches. I mean, you said it yourself in that article, 6.1% walk rate, three years running? Yep, the guy is premier consistency. Jack McMullen, get your point out now. Yeah, you called on Colby when you said you were going to call on me. My arm was getting tired. Um, I, I would take Julio. Really? Yeah, I would. Would you? Hmm. Well, you wouldn't take him over Scherzer. Scherzer's no, technically I mean, a two. Scherzer's not a two. <laughs> I know. Up. You would take Julio over Brandon? I don't hate it. I don't hate it even a little bit. I would take Urias. I think this tier was is really tough because I think you could put Logan Webb at 10, Julio at 8, leave Brandon at 9, whatever, however you want to structure it. But, like, these guys are very close. And I'll have legit chances next season of winning a Cy Young in my, in my eyes. Um, yeah. Brandon Woodruff has been consistently amazing for the past two, three years has four pitches and has Corbin Burns as his teammate. Like these guys must talk all the time about how to get batters out, which is awesome. So sick. And if we're talking about consistent consistency, durability, you have Logan Webb at eight. And I just want to bring Logan Webb into this conversation because I personally, I'm just not putting him in, putting him in my top 10 
until he proves it again over another season. Not that he can't, not that I'm not expecting him not to. I just think right now, if we're going before the season, give me Brandon Woodruff, give me Julio Arias over Logan Webb. I'd probably have Logan Webb like 11, 12-ish, maybe 10. How does that, how does that? You know what did it for me, Pete? Seeing him dominate the Dodgers in the AL, in the NLDS, yeah, sold me above and beyond. I mean, he went Shoved fourteen and two okay. thirds, yeah, with one run given up over those two games and lost one of those games, which which is tragic. That game five, I mean, he, uh, you got to watch the highlights of these games. They're they're unreal. What he was doing to batters with his changeup, sinker, slider, mix, like they they don't know what's coming at them because they look the same coming down the plate and then like with ten feet left, they're like whoop whoop. And so that sold you. You're already you're you're at number eight, Jack. You like eight for Webb, or you think it's too early? Do you remember my hot take with Logan Webb? We yeah, just right, started that he, spewing hot takes left and right. The Logan Webb would win the Cy Young. Yeah, I I think Logan Webb. Like this guy is just he pitches in a way that I don't like, like limits damage better than anybody else in baseball. Because if somebody's going to hit it hard, they're going to hit it on the ground. And I'm okay with hard contact on the ground. I'm really okay with that. Because what does that result in? Like, at most, a double? I'm fine with that. I prefer doubles over home runs. In the era... Right. In the era of lifting the shit out of the ball, like, I see 119-mile-an-hour groundouts all the time now. Like, Pete Alonso is the king of the 120-mile-an-hour groundout to second base. But, like, with Logan Webb, in this, in this era of hyper-focus on lifting the baseball and putting it out of the ballpark, a sinker baller and the best sinker baller in baseball constantly peppering the belt and below, I I mean, I think he's like kryptonite. Only Framber Valdez gets more ground balls than him. And another stat that I want to bring up, that even this is a stat that I even bring up to my little leaguers because it, it makes them grasp how valuable ground balls and fly balls are. So... You coach Woba you. on ground balls last year was 221. Woba on fly balls was 457. Woba on line drives was in the 600s. So that is a massive gap, right? You can only hit a home run on a fly ball. You can't hit a home run on a ground. You mean technically, yeah, you can hit a home run on a ground ball, but like it's not happening. No. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you know who Logan Webb kind of reminds me of? You guys remember Brandon Webb? For the uh, Diamondbacks, that sinker baller who I did he win a Cy Young award? I don't know if he actually, I think he won a Cy Young award, right? With Arizona, I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that dude was absolutely disgusting. But then we saw what happened to Brandon Webb's career. I'm not saying that that's exactly going to happen to Logan Webb. I'm just like, all I need to see is one more year before I can put him in a top 10. Jack, if- what? pissed at that no brandon webb through seven years like for the most part six years uh his first year he finished third in rookie of the year voting his next year he led baseball in losses the year after that he had a three five era and then cy young second and cy young second and cy young and then he threw four innings in 2009 and he was done like neil young better to burn out than fade away Number seven is going to ruffle some feathers, Colby. Because a lot of people would put him number two right now. Max Scherzer is your seventh best pitcher, according to Colby Olsen. I don't hate it. 
if you look at the top six and you're like, well, I mean, those guys are all very good. And I think these guys are interchangeable. Are you sold on seven? For example, if someone said Colby, like this has to be in your top five. Are you, are you pushing back or you're like, yeah, you could say that. That's totally, totally reasonable. Like, I think it's, I'm not going to spoil the list, but like one and two and three are kind of set for me. And then four through seven, it's like, you could interchange these guys pretty much how you want to, because they're all good. They're all so good. So let's, let's talk about them all together. So at number six is Shane Bieber of the Cleveland guardians. Number five is Walker Bueller of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And number four is Zach Wheeler of the Philadelphia Phillies. I love Zach Wheeler so freaking much. I think he's going to be so, so good next year and people might say four is too high i'd probably have him at five but like i love him at four i think he's going to be a freaking rocket ship next year okay so (laughs) why are you hold on hold on are we beefing right now what you just keep giving me all these answers when i say that you're like no 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 i was just gonna say because i'm gonna say something that might piss both you off like i think if if i colby structured it Wheeler four, Bueller five, Bieber six, and um, seven seven. was Scherzer. Scherzer seven. I've got the article up. I could have just looked there. But (laughs) to be honest, I think like if I'm putting this list together, I'm putting Wheeler at seven. Just because like Max Scherzer, everybody's waiting on this demise of Max Scherzer. That's just never going to fucking come ever. Like he might pitch until he's 55 and he's going to sign like three year, you know, $95 million deals until he's 50. So I, with Scherzer, I guess I've been burned too many times saying that, Oh, the, the downswing's coming. He's leaving his prime now. So I just have to put him as a top five pitcher until he proves otherwise, because even though he's not throwing 98 anymore and he's throwing 96, He's still just like working with the slider and like the changeup's good too. I mean, everything's good with Wheeler. Like not even, not even like his velocity has not waned since 2014. It's been consistently, you go to baseball savant is a straight line of 95 and a half average every single year. God, I mean, but he's also a guy that varies speeds kind of similar to Chris sale. Like you'll see Max Scherzer go 91 to 93 and then just, Letter high 97. I mean, that's what Chris Sale does. So it's like, do that you can again. Never, you can never, you can never adjust. You can never adjust to 97 at the letters once you're seeing 92, like at the knees. I just think Max Scherzer, I, I'd, the more I think about it, you'd probably put Max Scherzer at this is how I'd probably do it. Max Scherzer at four. I'd probably have, I'm going reverse order, entirely <laughs> yeah, reverse order. Scherzer four. No, I'd have Bueller. No, <laughs> I'm going Scherzer four, Bieber five, Bueller six, Wheeler seven. I'm going absolutely reverse order. There, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going there. Scherzer, Bueller, Wheeler, Bieber. Why Bieber so low? Oh, um, so Shane Bieber was at four on this list until probably the night before it released um, because he's that good. Like when he's healthy, he is, he is that good. Um, and you could really argue him over the number three guy on this list when healthy as well, I think. Um, 
Shane Bieber's not at four currently. I think if he comes back healthy, he will be. But at the end of the year, he got he was hurt, right, with shoulder issues. Came back. His spin rate was way down. His velocity was down to 91, which Shane Bieber, for reference, is like usually 93 to 94. That's a big gap when you're going from 93 to 91, and that's the problem with Carlos Rodon as well. So that's that's why I'm not sold on him at four just now. But like if he comes back in spring training, if we get a spring training and and shows that his velocity is back, like yeah, immediately, okay, you're back at four. I still like him at seven. I think. God. <laughs> All right, Garrett Cole at three, Corbin Burns at two. Jacob DeGrom at one. This is tier one. I mean, you you could also make the Garrett Cole argument that maybe he gets kind of thrown into that three to seven, but Colby, he's more concrete for you at three. I know, Jack, I, I think you'd rather no, have Shane Bieber over Garrett Cole. I would, and I just want to say thank you for putting the Yankee bias aside for a moment and acknowledging that I don't think Cole is in tier one with Burns and DeGrom. I don't think so either. Nope. <sighs> Me neither. I think I think you could make the case that Jacob Degrom is in his own tier. Like oh, yeah, you know, being yeah, real, yeah. That, that I don't think anybody <laughs> even comes close to what Jacob Easy. Degrom does on the mound. All right, uh, Corbin Burns. He was probably not on like people's top twenty list coming into twenty twenty one. You know, I I think he would be ours. Yeah, he, he would be on be. ours. Colby, my dark horse Cy Young candidate. Yeah, I know, um, which you nailed. But you know, with with Burns. Like there was still a lot to prove because the eye test passed with flying colors and, and the underlying metrics passed with flying colors. Um, and the question was always, can he like put it together? Like, can he actually be this that we've seen flashes of? And the answer was like the more, the most resounding yes than we've seen in recent memory, right? He burst onto the scene like nobody else this year. It was a lot like, uh, Snell, it was a better version of Snell when he won his Cy Young because everybody said, okay, he's supremely talented. Let's see him put it together for a 162. And Snell did. They both had the innings thing. I don't care about the innings thing with Corbin Burns. Just watching him start, watching how the metrics like progressed over the year, I don't think there's any argument to have him outside the top three. His 1.63 FIP is the second lowest FIP in a season since 1920. Pedro Martinez is the only guy to have a better FIP in a season that a pitcher threw more than 160 innings than Corbin Burns. So we're talking about a season that is arguably one of the best pitching seasons in recent memory. And, And you could argue that, you know, okay, he didn't throw 200 innings, so it's not. But when he was on the mound, no one was touching him, and it was it was pretty unfair. And and that's all to say that Jacob Degrom had like a fit below one before he got hurt. So we could have seen two of the best pitching seasons in recent memory in the same season. Yeah, I was talking on the TikTok live uh, pitch catch pod. Um, said that Corbin Burns's cutter is the most beautiful pitch to watch in all of baseball. Maybe the best pitch. I know we were calling Shohei Otani's splitter, but for the fact that Corbin Burns throws it that much and he gets that level of dominance with it, I would still say Corbin Burns' cutter is the best pitch in baseball. And watching Omar Narvaez, the catcher for the Brewers, just peel it back into the zone, that backdoor 99-mile-an-hour cutter, there's nothing better. 
there's nothing better in baseball. Maybe watching Byron Buxton run down a ball in center field. Maybe watch Acuna do literally anything. Mike Trout's pretty good at hitting home runs. But that, that instance in baseball, that event, Omar Narvaez's frame of the 99 cutter is my favorite thing in baseball right now currently. Agreed. It must be a fun time to be a Brewers fan. You have pitching and defense, maybe not too much hitting, but I was recently talking about the 1996 Mariners who scored the third most runs in baseball history over a season, missed the playoffs because their rotation and bullpen had an ERA of 5-2-1. So really, really amazing pitching going on in, in Milwaukee. I have a question. Out of the entire list, who are you worried that you might be wrong on? I think I think Trevor Rogers is my hottest take because he was a rookie last year and, and some guys have a sophomore slump. And, you know, I think it was aggressive putting him at 14, but I, I have faith that the stuff plays there. Um, I really don't see like, you know, going back to Lucas Giolito, I think that's a guy that, yeah, maybe he drops to 25 or in back into the top 30, right? But a lot of those guys at the back end of the top 20 are very interchangeable. But I think Trevor Rogers is a guy that 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 could be seen as a pretty hot take him at 14. I haven't seen him in, in many top 20 lists. Peter, who do you think is his hottest take? I I, I just don't think Gilito will be a top 20 pitcher by the end of the year. I that's yeah. that's that's my and at 16, I just thought that was a little bit high. I would have Sandy um over Rogers just you know, moving forward, just give me the guy who's who's done it a little bit longer. But overall, I think it's a pretty solid list. I mean, those are the pitchers that I'd probably have. Like those 20 guys, maybe outside of Gilito, those are my top 20. And I think any way you kind of mix it around, I think it, but I think overall it's a very solid list. Yeah, we were I talking before that. we were we were talking before uh the podcast started. I think the only two guys that we we didn't mention that that should get a little bit of mention get ugh, that should get a little bit of mention here. Um, Wade Miley and Alec Mills. I think those two you're really missing out on. What are you doing, Colby? No Alec Mills, no Wade Miley, no Zach Davies, no Colin. Yeah, Hendricks, so right. I was no gonna Luis push back. Beal. You say that you say that Corbin Burns's cutter is the best pitch in baseball, and you obviously haven't watched Zach Davies forcing fastball. It's like you're not turning on the TV. Yeah, get off the Excel sheet again. <laughs> you know what we need? We need Peter. We need Jack to team up as a force and create the some things are just bigger than baseball top 20 starting pitchers list with Alec Mills at one, Wade Miley at two. I mean, Esther, Alec Mills threw Esther a no Cortez. Should he be a Hall of Famer? <laughs> Wade Miley threw a no hitter. Wade Miley threw. Uh, can I say one thing? I think Corey Kluber on the Rays is going to be insane. <laughs> like, I think he's going to be a top. They're going to make him into some robot again. Also, a guy who will be on this top 20 list, I think, by the end of the year is Shane Boz. He might even be number one because he's that freaking insane. So, yeah, that was my next question. Uh, I guess Peter just answered it. But, but Jack, who is a guy that is probably, you know, in the top 40 to 50 right now, but you see at the end of the year, on this list 
Well, so Shane Boz, the guy who looks like he is on Saturn because he's got a hammer of a lip in whenever he pitches. Like, he looks like he's going to throw up, and yet he's still 99 with a dumb slider. It's it's crazy to me how you can do that when you're spinning your face off, and it's obvious to everybody on national television. But, uh, yeah, I like Boz on that list. Another Ray that I want to throw out there, like, I am so freaking high on Shane McClanahan. I'm so high on McClanahan. A lefty that throws 101, it like sign me the fuck up for him. Um, another also, guy, yeah, Tyler Glasnow's not on this, but I mean, yeah. he's not going to pitch really next year. That's the only reason, right? Yeah, yeah, talent wise, he's in there. Um, another eight. guy yeah. th- that I think you're missing that, that could be on this list here and could slot into like the high teens. Um, yeah, I mean, low teens, like 12, 13, 14. Uh, Jose Barrios. I'm still holding out hope on Barrios. I, I think that the stuff is going to be really good. He's got the chance to showcase it, showcase it in the marquee division in baseball. Um, and if he's I'll got take. like a two five, if he's got a two five, I think he's a top twenty pitcher in baseball. Hot take: He's not even the best pitcher on his own team. Gosman? No, Noah. Alec Manoa. Alec Manoa. Okay, that's okay. my pick for a guy that's going to be top twenty end of year. I think Luis Garcia is another guy. Um, I mean, there's a lot of young names that could be there at the end of the year. Ranger Suarez is a guy that I've talked about before. Um, but I think Alec Manoa, he had the second highest whiff rate on fast forcing fastball last year. Slider yeah. is a frisbee. He has a sinker that is performs really well. Um, he kind of showed a big body guy. I mean, he goes deep into games as well. He, sh- he shows everything that, you know, you'd want from an ace. One, one more before we wrap. I, I like this left-hander, uh, Jose Quintana. I have a serious one. Dylan Cease was not mentioned at all, um, and he strikes out everybody. I like him. He I walks he, a lot of guys, too. He does. Yeah, he that does. was my worry with him. I, another guy, just quickly, is Joe Musgrove as well. Um, he didn't have yeah. – sh- like, he had a sharp season in San Diego, nothing crazy good, but um, I think he's a guy that has, you know – four good pitches and has the upside to be a top 20 arm as well. When does Ian Anderson knock on the door? I'm not that high on Ian Anderson, but um, he has a lot of deceptive stuff and, and, and some tunneling. Just turning the ball over with that. Just, change yeah. Pronation. We're talking pronation. He releases the ball from up here. Like <laughs> <laughs> he's so freaking good though. Oh. But yeah, this was fun. This was fun. You guys are a, a freaking riot. So appreciate it john lester retired today he was a fringe top 20 guy i was almost about to say r.i.p i was like Wait no no john, john lester uh one of the greatest postseason performers of all time he's gonna stick around on the ballot for more than one year i don't think he's a hall of famer but i mean this guy had nuts and uh shout out to him an amazing career made a ton of money enjoy it well, you got anything else before we dip? He made spot, spot track. Is it spot track? I don't know. Spot I track. know how to say it. Okay. They put out a list today of highest earning pitchers ever. And he was ninth, ninth on yeah. that list, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, three time world champion. And I saw him pitch a no hitter in Boston and the guy beat cancer, which is amazing. It's it, he's really one of the best stories in baseball. Um, I'm from the two thousands. So. I listed him as one of my top five favorite players of all time. 
Props Shout to John, John Lester. Lester. Get your Colby's wearing is not gambling advice t-shirt. I'm wearing my just baseball t-shirt. Get your merch in the episode description. The links are all in there. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow talking more Dodgers stuff. You know, we possibly have an interview on tap. Jack, anything else? This is a pretty good episode. Yeah, I think so. Uh, usually we say it's a pretty good episode after we stop recording when, once we rehash. So listen, we've jinxed it. Let's cut the cord right now and then we can rehash afterwards. Cool. Thank you, everybody.